Hi, and welcome to our Fourth Universalist service video. My name is Ember Kelly, and I'm the Director of Religious Education here at the Fourth Universalist Society. I use she and her pronouns, and thank you so much for joining us for this audio and visual podcast that we make for our services. What follows are selections from our service on March 13th, 2022. In this video, you'll get to hear the reading and the reflection, and following that, we have a lively discussion where we go deeper into the service themes together. You're invited to check out our video and audio podcast each week. We post it on our website, on our Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, as well as many of your favorite podcast streaming sites. If you like what you see, we do hope that you'll give us a positive review. The likes, the comments, the sharing, the subscribing, this all helps to spread forth Universalist media further. Finally, we acknowledge that our community is located on the land of Moon Lenape peoples. With this acknowledgement, we seek to continue the process of working to dismantle ongoing legacies of oppression. We invite you to join us in this work as we work to embrace the APUU principle. Thank you again for watching. We begin with our reading. Our reading today comes from the book, A New Republic of the Heart, an ethos for revolutionaries written by Terry Patton. Spiritual life involves growing into a wise and healthy relationship to reality. The word spiritual points to the deepest level of being, essential and existential. Spiritual growth and development enable us to glimpse the bountiful grace in which we live, the beauty of the world, and the privilege of conscious embodied existence. Gratitude is universal spiritual wisdom, and it is sufficient. Such gratitude is awake. It is realistically in touch with loss and death and threat, not in denial. Saints are grateful even while resonating emphatically with suffering. Everything we love is mortal, even the living earth. Everything regenerates and yet is also wounded and under threat. The heart breaks to see the destruction of vulnerable people, living creatures and wild places. We want to protect them we want to help them. As, jo as Joanna Macy so sagely puts it, if everyone I love is in danger, I want to be here so I can do what I can. Activism is simply acting on the impulse to be of benefit to something greater than yourself in a whole variety of ways. Not all of them look like overt activism, but many do. All are natural expressions of human maturity. So I read a lot of mysteries during the pandemic. And when I look back, I realize that mystery novels are my go-to escape. It started after I wrote my dissertation 20 or so years ago. After my last words were written, and my then mother-in-law had finished her final edits, she said, now go upstairs and pick out a mystery. 
The guest bedroom held two bookcases filled with mysteries, and I selected one and set to reading. And oh, did I feel so relaxed. Thus began my dive into writing, read, uh, writing, that'd be fun, no, reading mysteries. <laughs> the habit waxed and waned over the years, depending on how my life was going or what my time looked like. And over the years, friends have recommended different authors or series to me. And during the pandemic, I read a fair amount of them. I really wanted to read more big idea books, but I just kept going back to my mysteries. Just so you know, my three go-tos are Louise Penny's Inspector Gamache series, Donna Leon's Commissario Guido Brunetti series, and Andrea Camilleri's Ispettori Montalbano series. <laughs> I travel from Quebec to Venice to Sicily and escape into these wonder-filled worlds these authors create. I don't think I can actually say I was feeding my spirit with this, but I was definitely honoring my spirit's need for a break. And sometimes just sitting and listening to what your spirit is asking for may be the start of renewal and a spiritual practice. But then, after the escape, we move into these questions. How do I keep going when my spirit feels so depleted? What do I do? How can I feel renewed or supported or fed? I imagine many of us are still feeling those questions right now. And I want to encourage all of us to dig into those and find a path, the right path for you for spiritual renewal and practice. Now, since we are a collective community, each of us has a role to play in supporting and strengthening our own collective, which is usually what we preach around it here in, in Unitarian Universalist world. But today, I actually want you to think about your own spiritual self. As you use, right, we have seven principles and a fourth you covenant that serves as our North Star. And as you use, we each have a different sense of the spirit, of what guides us, what calls us to our work in the world. So our spiritual renewal and our spiritual practices as individuals will naturally look different from person to person, even within the UU envelope. And as we shift from pandemic to endemic, as the world seems to reopen again, and we wonder what fresh variant or other global calamity is coming our way, I want to encourage each of us to think about what spiritual practice you need to feel sustained during these times. A spiritual practice that will hopefully help you live more deeply and genuinely into our principles and help you be one of the many co-creators of this UU community and beyond. A few things that come up for me when I think about spiritual practice and the need for spiritual renewal and nurturing are the spiritual value in being curious, in generating empathy, in embracing creativity, 
and in reigniting passion. In seminary, I was introduced to two theologians, and I want to share a quote from each as a springboard for examining or understanding your spiritual practice. So Howard Thurman said, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive, and then go and do that. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. And Frederick Buchner said, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Both of those quotes remind me that finding the practice that speaks to one's own spirit that helps us feel joy and allows us to grow and evolve, that's what the world needs from us. By honoring that call, we can better serve the world. And frankly, I think that is exactly what Unitarian Universalism is asking us all to do now. Serve the world because whew, does the world need help? Of course, we can start simply. The things we can easily identify as giving us a sense of spiritual renewal. Maybe, as Ember mentioned earlier, it's walking in nature or volunteering at a local food pantry, making or listening to beautiful music, meditating, reading, maybe re-exploring the seven principles and six sources. Maybe what we need or you need right now is a return to a spiritual practice that you left behind. Or maybe you need to throw out old practices that don't serve you anymore. Maybe it's time to try something completely new, something that pushes you in a different way. Trying something new in itself is a spiritual practice in so much as it provides us with a new mode of growth. About a year ago, I was gathered online with my colleagues and friends of the Ruthbert Fund, which is a spiritually guided organization of which I'm on the board. And we were talking about this, this idea of doing something new or different for our own spiritual growth. The facilitator said something along these lines, by doing something different, we integrate it into who we are, and thus the doing, the action, propagates new versions of ourselves. It's funny to hear it explained that way because during the summer of 2020, when I was feeling quite weary and wasn't actually sure my spirit had anything else to give, I took up a few new things and returned to a few familiar things with amazing effect. I returned to a regular meditation routine, not the sporadic, haphazard, sloppy one that I mostly clung to, but an actual regular one. But I also added guided meditations from different traditions, and that woke up different parts of my spirit. I also restarted taking music lessons, which was really fun to do via Zoom. 
voice, which of course was very comfortable, and I got to take lessons with Karen Allison, and if anybody is a jazz lover like me, I was like, fangirl, oh my gosh, lesson, this is fantastic on many levels. But then I also took lessons on instruments I had long neglected, the piano and the violin. And this re-engaged, this re-engaging had a profound effect on my creativity and my resilience and on my spirit. It broadened the path that I was traveling on. But the strangest thing that I took up during the pandemic, which is completely foreign to me, but became a daily spiritual practice for almost a year, was writing a poem a day. I had attended a workshop with children's book writer Jane Yolen, and she told us that she starts every day with writing a poem. She has been doing this for more than 50 years. So I can just picture all the notebooks in her office, right? I was so intrigued by that concept that I started it myself. Now, as I mentioned, it only lasted for about 10 months, but while I was doing it, it was wonderful because it was something completely different. And now I flip back through the poetry notebooks and I am not impressed with my poetry, but I am moved by the variety of what came out of me. This experience became this truly spiritual practice for me to lay things down on paper and it was transformational. So spiritual practice can appear in many forms. The, the thing that saved me during the second year of the pandemic, pandemic, like really saved me because I was going into some dark, bad places, <laughs> was our own UU Wellspring program. Has anyone here been part of a UU Wellspring group? Oh, so maybe we need to bring that to fourth U. What we did was we met every other week and through readings and regular spiritual practice, meeting with a spiritual director, and, and, and then doing all these things, and then coming back into this group every other week, we did these deep, deep explorations into our calling, our spiritual roots, our practices, and I found true healing, support, and evolution. Now, sadly, since about April 2021, many of these practices I just told you were so fantastic for me have been pushed aside. And I find myself once again thinking about what can I do? I think my overwhelm and exhaustion got the best of me. And the time when I needed a spiritual practice the most, I pushed it to the bottom of my list. And I share this to remind you all that for all of us, it is very easy to drop your spiritual practice from your daily life. Even ministers drop the ball. But I do know that when I am connected to a practice, or rather practices, because I do like variety, I get bored easily, I feel better, I feel connected, I feel grounded for the work that needs to be done. Another one of my Ruthbert colleagues during our discussion of spiritual practice invoked Bishop Desmond Tutu. Paraphrasing him, she said, I still believe that as we transform ourselves, we transform the world. The first step is inner work, and then that emanates outward into the world. So, 
I invite you to experiment with spiritual practices. If you need more ideas or guidance, please email me, or maybe talk with one another. That conversation that we had, let's keep that going and share ideas with one another. This inner work is important, and now it is truly, truly needed. If we are to sustain ourselves during these tumultuous times, we need our inner map. We need to calibrate our inner compasses, and we need to share our gifts and callings with one another and the world. We cannot make the mistake that our work, whether it's activism or our physical work, whatever we do in the world, is spiritual practice. It may have a spiritual component, but we need something, something inspiring and grounding and fortifying and nourishing and creative to help us stay the course in our work, in our families, in this community. We need a practice to help guide us to live fully and joyfully. Through a spiritual renewal and a regular spiritual practice, we can not only heal our own wounds, but also better serve one another in this community and the other communities of which we are part. We can more easily see ourselves embodying, not just quoting, but embodying our seven principles. We can more effectively live into our values and be the change the world so desperately needs. So may we find the spiritual practice or practices that calls us into presence. May we find what will sustain, enrich, and inspire us. May we remember that our spirits are in need of regular refocusing and renewal. May it be so. Reverend Leonisa, it is so good, once again, to get to sit down with you. Likewise, it's a highlight of the week for me. It is, it is. And in fact, we are preparing this uh, way in advance with, with the return to in-person. Mm -hmm. uh, I know last week with Mark, I recorded on like Friday, and today we're recording on Wednesday. Wow. Um, we we got we to gotta find ways to fit this in because uh, the Sunday mornings get a little bit more hectic when, when we're back in person. It's so true. Yeah. Especially when I'm on a train for two hours. So, you know. I mean, you know, it could be an interesting backdrop for like the recording. Um, yeah. The Metro North. Do, 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 you know, yeah, nothing, nothing says spiritual practices like the Metro well, North. That is, it's so true. What a great way to lead in. There's my lead in. That's team. a great lead in. No, and I'm going to I'm going to pick on pick up on that lead in because I love train travel, right? Like and not just, you know, I mean, I'm a New Yorker, right? Like you you spend your time underground. Um I commuted a lot for work when I lived there, both into and out of the city in different directions. I travel by train around the world as much, you know, whenever we're in other parts of the world, like train is the way to go. I've even taken a train to Montreal. My daughter didn't love it as much as I did, but there is something, cause it's like nine and a half hours or whatever, like, um, but there is something to me about having that time where you can work, absolutely, but some trains don't have Wi-Fi or whatever. So really you you are forced to, forced is maybe not the right word, but um, look out the window and, and, you, and it's meditative. And I remember many years ago when I was commuting up to Terrytown from the city for work, like, you know, riding on the Hudson there on the train, 
you know, I wrote songs, I wrote poems, I read things. I, I, you know, I didn't feel like grading papers, honestly. I wanted to look out the window and look at the water. And in many ways I look back now and I think that hour and change was a spiritual practice because it just got me out of either my head in, the, in, a, in a bad way and got me into my head in a good way <laughs> and then got me out of thinking like, oh, I have to do work, right? I think, you know, that that's like, when any of us has some space or time, myself included, guilty is uh, of this, right? Is like, oh, I should do another thing. And I think that when we recalibrate ourselves to think about, oh, maybe this is a time for a spiritual practice, we can really shift how we use our, our days. <clears throat> it has me excited for our train trip out to Michigan in April now, even though it's, you know, for a funeral, but that's where right. the, the, the train part will be meditative and relaxing in the midst of the other stress. It's, um, it's and I, I've noticed too that Asher, my five-year-old for the video watchers who might not know him, um, he has loved us going back out to do things after like, after the Omicron lockdowns and, um because he just loves getting on the bus he loves getting on the trains he loves just looking out the windows and i'm like yes he he said you know he wants to be a bus driver or a subway driver when he grows up i'm like these are noble professions that i support Let's do it exactly. um but you know on the on the same note to like what you were saying that's uh like i i love my commutes it's longer um but it's 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 enjoyable and sometimes i will um it's not the most glamorous, but um, so sometimes I will, when we arrive at the Port Authority bus terminal, there's, that's the not glamorous part. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, will, I will walk up to Fourth Universalist. Um, and in particular, I'll, you know, sometimes I'll choose to go through Times Square and like, you know, while, while it's, you know, this mecca of advertising and capitalism. Um, and I know both you and I have feelings about that. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, it's been this really great practice of, of uh, I don't want to call it like inner child work, but like almost to a little level I do of like thinking about how impressed like teenager me would have been to like know where I'm at in life right now, like to celebrate, to be okay with like being excited, like to be a dorky tourist for a few minutes and be like, this is awesome. Like I get to have this amazing job and I get to work and live in New York City. Like how cool is that? Like, it's, it's a little bit of a spiritual practice. It is. And I, <coughs> pardon me. I remember you, I, I had this conversation with Ben and I think it showed up in a sermon of his months ago, but we, I always thought of New York as a wonderful spiritual teacher for that reason to walk through the streets without headphones. So I was always one of those people. I would often have headphones on, on the subway because I was listening to music or learning a song or something. Right. Um, but especially when I walked, I never, almost never had music on because I treated it like a walking meditation of sorts, right? Noticing things in the building, noticing the cracks in the sidewalk, looking at people, not always what people want you to do in New York City, but you know, right? And then I had a very uh, like Buddhist practice for at one point in time, I was a tutor to an extraordinarily wealthy family on Park Avenue. I guess this was when I was in grad school 20 years ago or so. God, those kids must be like adults with children now. Anyway, those kids grow up to be Jeff Bezos. Um, is it? Ah, no. And then, I, oh, I hope I had some kind of lasting impact on them, but no. But what was, not, I'd have to walk up Madison Avenue to get to their apartment. And I'd walk past all these spectacular, like 
fashion, you know, and things that I, you know, here I had, didn't have two nickels to rub together and I'm walking by these things and I'm, and I turned it into a spiritual practice of saying, I can appreciate the beauty in that, but I don't need to beat myself up about, oh, I should have that or I want that. It was like an anti-materialism and anti-capital sort of practice, which was, I found, as I look back now, I think so much of spiritual practice, I think nowadays feels really co-opted by you have to buy the thing to be able to do the spiritual practice or this book or this thing, like, I don't know, who's a what's it, you know, whatever. And the reality is, is we can make anything we do in our life that gives us a sense of meaning, that grounds us, that nourishes us, that takes us out of the worry and the, that's a spiritual practice. So yeah, walking down Madison Avenue and admiring the beauty of a, you know, who is it? Mickey Moto. I used to walk by or Prada, you know, thing and say, wow, that's beautiful. I don't need it though. I can admire it as a piece of art and I can carry on. Um, it's, and, and then of course now I've, I, 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 well, not even now, even then I much prefer walking through the woods or sitting by a lake or things like that as a spiritual practice. But I think we can make we can we could find spiritual practices you know right under our noses and it doesn't need to cost any money you know right. now mm -hmm. i um a few thoughts here but first uh the the arthur theme song came to mind you know every day when you're walking down the street um you know uh, that that was kind of coming to my mind i'm like this is the the arthur we can call this the arthur method of spiritual arthur practice. i like it um, especially since that like just ended um i know and, i love um that. But then, you know, and then I, I, of course, had to, had to, I felt, I held back a quip about a Taylor Swift musical meditation because some of us need those headphones on. That is, <laughs> I, but, okay. I, uh, I get that with jazz. I, not that I don't love the Swift, because you know I do, but I try to listen to things without lyrics for my spiritual practice. So I tend to find my, my, I'm, you know, you know, my love of jazz. So that's where I land. Yeah, no, um, <laughs> but um, all of that to say um, that, you know, it's, it's like you were saying about the, the co-optation that even, you know, like I think about us as, as spiritual leaders in, in the New York City area um, and that a lot of spiritual leaders, like whether they're, you know, some kind of practitioner, some whether they're in some sort of congregational ministry, some sort of anything that a lot of spiritual leaders, anybody that is offering that kind of spiritual guidance has very much felt that they've had to basically like commodify themselves to, yeah. to survive. Like I think about these people who are amazing and like do great work, like connecting people and helping, you know, like helping women connect with their spirituality, things like that. Like, mm -hmm. but they have to, to, to get, to make a living, to survive in the world. They've basically had to be like, okay, here's my entire existence. Um, would you like to buy into my existence? <laughs> yeah. It's such a good, you know, I, I'm with you on that because I, I, and I <clears throat> pardon me. Oh, I have something in my throat. Um, I, I always, I feel that way too, that like there's so much good stuff out there. And yet, because it happens under this par uh, capitalist paradigm, this umbrella, we, you know, um, so I'm always amazed when I come across something and someone's like, read this, but you don't have to buy the thing. <laughs> or like come to my, you know, and it's tricky because on social media, um, 
I think that's another tricky thing is like, you know, I, I try to follow people who I think embody spiritual practices or spiritual way of being. Um, and I'm pretty picky about that. <clears throat> I have to say, like, I, I'm very picky about who I will follow and listen to, right? You have to be selling something that's pretty unique for me to, to want to, right? And, and, and selling not in the monetary sense, right? Like you gotta, but it, it's a really good point that if you are trying to do something good, empowering grounding we still have to make a living right it's like it, it's um i i i just feel like it's such a um it's a catch-22 i guess for lack of a better way to put it and i because i do think that so much of spiritual practice the fundamental goal like for me in spiritual practice when i think of mine or when i talk to other people about having spiritual practice is like it's to get rid of the trappings Right. It's not. And so so it becomes this really weird um, uh, paradox. Right. To say, but I want to read the thing and I want to get away from this trappings. But in order to do so, I have to either buy the book or go to Patreon or, you know, or whatever, which I'm, you know, I support an artist on Patreon. I don't know how you say it, but, you know, and I and I buy people's books, you know, because I want to support them in their um but the hustle that people have to go through who are actually doing really good work. And, but, and then there are tons of hustlers out there whose work is crap, but we, and, and but they're doing it just as well. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how far I want to go on that. I just, I, I want to, I guess, I, I guess what I was starting to say is that I think it's really, um, uh, uh this personal for, and again, it's mine, not everybody else's spiritual practice, but my spiritual practice is very much to return me to my body, to return me to earth, it, like not just because I'm out in outer space most of the time, but because I'm like, like literally reminded of what would, that which gives me life and nourishment and to not be sucked into these things that I see as poisonous materialism and capitalism and things. So it's, but it's a, it's a, but not everybody's spiritual practice is the same and not everybody has the same goal. And mine is very much also about healing and maybe, you know, I, I, well, yeah, I mean, I think as the longer we um, take part in spiritual practices, I think they necessarily transform, right? And so, and, and they manifest differently. Like, you know, are some points where you just need lots of healing and love and those things, and then maybe you need something different thereafter, right? <clears throat> well, I mean, I have been thinking also about how, you know, probably the word would be the grind culture mm -hmm. um, and how that um, so easily infects, like, you know, say we have like a morning routine, um, you know, it's like, oh, I want to go out on a walk and I want to do a meditation. And then it suddenly becomes like this, oh, well, if I'm going to be like the best me, I have to do a 30 minute walk. I have to do a 15 minute meditation. I need to journal five pages. I need to you know, um, do all of this, like, it, yeah, it, the, there's the trap that way, too. And it's it, it exactly. Really yeah, it's like the success trap. And the the what's the other word I'm looking for? It popped into my head, and it went right back out, right? That the it's it, we just got to. It's all about like, um, 
why we make it measurable right like but that's just what we're trained to do and it, it undermines us because i'm with you completely too and, and then what happens is we can't hold on to that right like because then it becomes like well i can't do a 30 minute walk so i'm just not going to walk at all or i can't do a 15 minute sit so i'm just not going to sit at all or i don't have time for a full yoga you know run right and me too and i i was i was when i was polishing up the sermon which i finished early yay me um but because well because i was pulling from other things I had written, because I think this is a really important um, topic. I was in a place where I was like, oh my God, I had blown off. I had finally gotten into a daily yoga practice since the beginning of the year. Once I kicked the COVID, I started it and I was feeling great. And I was like, oh, you haven't done yoga in a few days. Why not? And I sat there and thought about it. Why not? I was like, well, because I was exhausted and my morning routine wanted to be sit around and be exhausted. <laughs> and I, so I had to, but I had to sort of give myself some grace to say, it's okay that you missed yoga these past few days. You'll do it's it okay tomorrow. To be exhausted. Some, like to, to, to let yourself rest, to deal with that exhaustion. Exactly. So it was more important to just rest and read or, or, you know, do nothing, which is not something I'm very good at doing. And that felt like a spiritual practice, right? Like same thing, you know, I think that's, the hustle culture, the grind culture, I've been in it because I've had no choice. You know, when I was a single mother, I had no choice to be in it. And now I'm like, okay, you can step back a little from this, but, but it's not rewarded, right? Like it's not, you know, if we don't do all the things that's looked upon differently than doing all the things. And I, which again, I brought up in the sermon is I, why I think it's super important to have a variety of spiritual practices and try different things and don't be attached to spiritual practices, right? Like sometimes sitting on the cushion is not the thing you need, but a, 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 I call most of my walks feel like walking meditations, right? Because I don't bring music. I don't have conversation. I go on silent walks, <laughs> right? Through down roads or through trees or whatever. And that to me feels like an eff effective meditation. Some days that's more than I what I need. Some days it's flipping open a book, doing like a version of a Lectio Divina in a modern sense, reading it, thinking about it and then opening my journal, right? I, I, in the sermon, I allude to starting jazz violin lessons, right? I'd been a violinist my whole life. Then I put it down for many, many years and the pandemic was crushing me. And I thought, well, maybe I try something completely new, even though it's not new because it's the language I speak as a jazz vocalist, but to put myself out there playing violin again and to take lessons with like a Grammy winning jazz violin teacher or violinist rather, you know, that was like, but I, it was so inspiring. And then playing the violin became a spiritual practice instead of like a only I'm practicing this instrument I love. It's like, oh, this is a twofer, right? I get to do this thing that enriches me intellectually, whatever, but it also, it's spiritually enriching, right? So sometimes we got to mix it up. That makes sense to me. I, you know, I find that that my problem is that I'll try and, you know, pile too much into my morning routine. It's like, okay, well, I got to yeah. do yoga. I got to do journaling. I got to do walking. I got to do this. I got to do reading. I got to also um, record some, some videos for TikTok. I got to, um, <laughs> right. Which, I mean, in a sense has become like, so if we're, you know, if we're talking about unique spiritual practices, like um, I, have been talking a lot about like being trans and about my transition on my TikTok, and um, 
like it's it's been a place where i've been able like it also like when you have to come up with something quickly and post it and you don't have time to be like a super perfectionist about how good it is um so it's been really good for like vulnerability and like fighting my perfectionism and like so in a sense it has become a little bit of like a a, a spiritually rewarding practice for me um yeah. but i i finally sat down which i think i have it i have it right here um and i like I said, okay, like, here's the like eight different things that I'm currently trying to fit in every morning. Mm-hmm. How can I do like two of those a day and spread that out over the week? Perfect. <laughs> you don't need to do eight things. In one eight morning. things every No. And you know, I did a similar thing where I just took index cards and I wrote all the spiritual practices I liked to do. And it would, although I haven't used them. So this is good. <laughs> and that was a good way because I, I well, I, I've used them. I haven't used them in a couple of months now, right? To pick one. And then if it, if I wasn't feeling it to say, you know what? I'm not feeling you today. Sorry, pal. Put you back in the pile and pick a different one, right? But I think you're right. If we try to do eight things, then then spiritual practice feels like a burden rather than the 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 thing that nourishes and helps us grow and helps us, especially as you use, I would say, live into our values, right? We're trying to not maintain a culture that is dominated by patriarchy and white supremacist thinking, then scaling back is part of that. Having grace for ourselves and rest is part of that. So yeah, I love that that you're picking two. You know, it could be random or you could, I like plotting it out. Maybe I'm going to try that. I think that's a great idea. Much of a plot out in advance or to like not. Well, exactly. (laughs) You can't totally change your stripes, right? Come on. You know, I get it. Uh, a wise professor once told me, Ember, you don't, you can't fight everything all at once. Like you can't, right. you, 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 you got to choose. Choose your, your choose your hill today. What's the um, hill today, the, right? The fight yeah. is not to my, my desire to schedule everything out. I'm not going to win that one anytime right. soon. Right. It's a slow and steady battle. So, um, yeah. But I mean, I think what you, you hinted at there, it was kind of the final direction I wanted to, to bring up. And that is like, so it's so important for us to like, have these rewarding spiritual practices because as we engage things like justice issues as we get involved in a community like at fourth universalist it can be easy to get burnt out and we need those spiritual practices so that we're not um pouring out of an empty cup like uh, you know it's so easy especially in activism um to get pulled in and then all of the organizations are like hey we love your energy like come do come be on our board come volunteer come Totally, totally. Yeah, and that's like, and it, um, as a person but who's been in volunteering, can also be a spiritual practice. It, it can be, but I, I would argue, and which I say in the thing, and then you just brought up, and and I, and it's actually a line in our um, uh, winding the circle of concern. And I remember preaching about this in the past, right? We often see our social justice work, as you use, as a spiritual practice. But I would say it's maybe it's more of our spiritual action. It's our our living into our values and acting on it. But you can get very depleted if that's also meant to re it doesn't always refill your cup because it is exhausting and it's it's hard work. And we need uh, and that's what they say in the uh, in the report. And I, I really that so resonated with me. It's like we all need either theological, cosmological, spiritual, whatever language you want to use, something that is the foundation for this work we're called to do. And then a practice that allows us to tap into that and and feel connected to that to refill that cup. And lots of folks get it on their Sunday morning at services, right? But 
I think we need it throughout the week. And I think for those of us who are religious professionals, we're doing the thing on Sunday. So we don't always get the spiritual fed feeding, <laughs> right? So we, we've got to figure out where we, you know, where we get it and, and, um, and, and what's meaningful for us to sustain us. So like we, we need to be sustained. It's a long haul fight, right? <clears throat> it is. You know, as, as, as I've mentioned before in our past uh, recordings of these, um, I, I do feel that we could probably go for another like two hours. Um, <laughs> and so if you want two hour um, <laughs> Ember and Urban Leonisa chats, uh, leave a comment and let us know that this is something you want. We'll start making them. <laughs> yeah, we will. And uh, we though, Amber, are we? Would we be just succumbing to hustle culture if we made two-hour podcast? Mm. Well, well, but if it's we're we're it's two hours because we're slowly taking our time okay. exploring concepts. Fair enough. You got it. All right. There we go. All right. Um, <laughs> it is great as always to get to sit down with you. Likewise, thanks so much. I, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you in person soon. What a concept. Sounds wonderful. And thanks, as always, to all of our watchers and listeners and those who we might have seen in person on Sunday. Mm -hmm.